Yeah, you can just read the Wikipedia entry and get really get the gist of it. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zulkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. He was an actor in one of the most notable scenes of cinema of all time. And he's a Texan to boot. Today we say, play it again, Sam, as we celebrate the life and art of Arthur Dooley Wilson. But first, what's your favorite Texas movie quote? All right, all right, all right. That's my favorite. My favorite Texas movie. Favorite quote. Ha <laughs> ha ha! I would say the other one, but I, I would say it's not appropriate for the times that we live in. Dazed and Confused, <laughs> episode 77, folks. Yes. Episode 77. That's a good one. I'm going to take one from episode 122, Sean. Talking about what wine to drink with fish. Why those <laughs> people drink warm beer with fried mud cat. That's from the great film 2011, Bernie. There's a episode lot 122. of great quotes. Yes. There's a lot of great quotes in that one. Um, that, whole, that whole segment oh is God, great. That guy's amazing. Yeah. The many regions of Texas... Hi, Kurt. Um, well, um, I had several quotes that are actually short snippets of dialogue that came to mind from uh, several of several films. Um, they all seem to have a little bit of blue language in them, so um, we're going to have to bleep this out. But um, probably my favorite at the moment is uh, from Hell or High Water, which we talked about back in episode 194. Um, and this is between the, the Howard brothers um, as they were uh, had stopped at a gas station to uh, get some snacks and gas. And uh, he says, uh, are you trying to make me mad? I said, Dr. Pepper, this is Mr. Pibb. Well, that's all they had. Only assholes drink Mr. Pibb. <laughs> so, drink up. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that was a great and, movie. That, 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 that speaks very much to... Uh, a lot of things that we've covered as far as oh, uh, tex- Texan-isms. Just, so, never uh, get a, just don't get it wrong, folks. It's always Dr. The Pepper. It's never Mr. Battle. Pepper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that's a great movie. Great movies, guys. Slow clap. <laughs> Arthur Wilson was born in Tyler, Texas on April 3rd, 1886. Wilson was a musical prodigy and a natural singer, and he began playing in a local vaudeville minstrel show at the age of 12. Minstrel shows were popular variety shows at the time and originally consisted of white performers mimicking black performers while wearing blackface makeup. However, by the turn of the 20th century, most minstrel troops and shows consisted of black performers doing the acts originally intended to pantomime them, as well as white caricatures while wearing whiteface makeup. Wilson continued to work and play in the black clubs of Tyler in East Texas before moving to Chicago sometime after 1900. Dooley was a nickname he earned in Chicago around 1908. One of the signature songs that Wilson performed at the Pekin Theater in Whiteface was the Irish tune Mr. Dooley. Dooley Wilson was a talented singer and drummer with several acts, including his own. He didn't actually play piano, but we'll get to that later. He would perform in theaters in the North. He would he 
He performed in theaters throughout the North, including in New York and Chicago through the 1930s. And he even traveled with his band, the Red Devils, to Europe in the 1920s when the jazz craze was there, when the jazz craze there was at its height. Beginning in the 1930s, Wilson began working in theater and on Broadway, working with Orson Welles and John Houseman as part of the Federal Theater Project. This was a Depression-era New Deal program that was an offshoot of the Work Projects Administration. The program was designed to keep American artists at work at a time when huge numbers of Americans were unemployed. It was later defunded due to suspected left-leaning themes in a few productions. Wilson discovered he had a talent for acting, branching out often from his standard musical and comedy roles into dramatic plays, including George Bernard Shaw's groundbreaking production, Androcles and the Lion. Wilson's breakthrough performance, however, was as Little Joe in the original cast of the famed all-black cast Broadway musical Cabin in the Sky. At this point, Hollywood came calling, with Paramount Pictures signing him to a studio contract in 1941. As was often the case for the time, Wilson's fame and talent didn't immediately translate into Hollywood success. His motion picture career kicked off initially with demeaning typecast roles, appearing in the Bob Hope comedy as a porter, a Fred McMurray Rosalind Russell screwball comedy as a chauffeur, and an Abbott and Costello flick as a house servant. Wilson was unhappy with his movie roles and was about to abandon Hollywood altogether when Paramount lent him out to Warner Brothers for a role in the next Humphrey Bogart picture, set to be directed by Michael Curtis. The film was based on an unproduced play and would be set in a nightclub owned by an American in German-occupied French Morocco. The title of the film would be the name of the city the bar was located in, Casablanca. Curtis needed an experienced singer for the piano-playing role of the nightclub's bandleader, Sam. Arthur Dooley Wilson joined the cast, which also included Sidney Greenstreet, Peter Lorre, Claude Rains, and the beautiful young Swedish actress Ingrid Bergman. In Casablanca, Wilson immortalized the song As Time Goes By, as boss and nightclub owner Rick Blaine, played by Bogart, and his lost true love, Ilse Lund, played by Bergman, briefly rekindled an old romantic flame. Wilson was only paid $350 a week for his services, but he shone in a role that had real depth and importance and in one of the most important and beloved films of all time. So it's well worth the time that he spent. In addition to As Time Goes By, Wilson's character did warm renditions of It Had to Be You, Shine, Knock on Wood, and Parlez-moi d'amour. Ironically, Dooley was not a pianist in real life. He had to uh, fake it while fingering the keyboard. The piano playing in the film is actually performed by Elliot Carpenter, who sat where Wilson could see, and he imitated his hand movements. The two became fast friends and remained close for the rest of Wilson's life. Wilson's role on Casablanca also led him to become close friends with Humphrey Bogart, leading to another co-starring role with Bogey portraying yet another piano player in Knock on Any Door, a 1949 courtroom-based film noir. The success of Casablanca also led him to other more meaty film roles, including the war-era musical Stormy Weather in 1943 with another all-black cast led by Lena Horne and the Frank Sinatra vehicle Higher and Higher in 1943. Wilson appeared in approximately 20 other motion pictures throughout his career. Wilson also returned to the stage regularly, notably portraying an escaped slave in the musical Bloomer Girl in 1946, which made another song famous, The Eagle and Me. 
This song was included in the Smithsonian Recordings compilation, American Musical Theater. Wilson was also involved in improving conditions for fellow black actors, serving on the board of the Negro Actors Guild of America. The Guild served as one of the primary financial and social resources for African-American entertainers during the segregation era. It provided health care, arranged transportation and hotel accommodations, and financed funeral services for the black acting community. In his final years, Arthur Dooley Wilson was a regular on the TV sitcom Beulah, which starred his old co-star from Cabin in the Sky, Ethel Waters. Beulah is notable for being an adaptation of the radio show of the same name, which had starred the first African-American actor to win an Oscar, Hattie McDaniel. Both the radio show and the TV show were the first to star an African-American actress. Wilson played the title maid's boyfriend, Bill Jackson, and he was the second of three actors who would play the role during its three-season run. Wilson didn't continue the role after the first season. Blah. Wilson did not continue the role after the first season, leaving when Ethel Waters was replaced by McDaniel. At this point, Wilson had been in show business for over 50 years and was in ill health. He retired from the entertainment industry after a small part in the Technicolor Western Passage West. Only a short time later, Wilson died of natural causes on May 30, 1953. He was survived by his wife, Estelle, who subsequently passed away in 1971. Arthur Dooley Wilson still survives, though, in the memories of so many people, always playing piano in Rick's Cafe American. Now, uh, it's interesting, uh, this came about because in Tyler just a few years ago, which is where I live and where he's from, um, there's now a, uh, in the downtown square, they've, they've put some famous and historical markers for uh, famous Tylerites. And so there's a, a big stone set for him right in downtown. And so there was a, there's actually some interesting articles from the local Tyler newspaper. And also just a, a, people are kind of proud of that. Because everybody, it is the one, it is the one clip that it was always seen when you talk about a movie. It would be something from The Wizard of Oz or to be something from Casablanca. Yeah. And it's the scene where Elsa says, play it again, Sam. Play the song. And he plays as time goes by. So it's it's a very and it's actually she never actually really says play it again, Sam. She plays. She says, play the song for me, Sam. But uh, it, that phrase became famous um, in in years. It's kind of a garbled phrase of of what was actually said. And of course, uh uh, there was a famous Woody Allen movie that called Play It Again, Sam, about Woody Allen and Humphrey Bogart and the ghost of Humphrey Bogart. So, um, but I think that Dooley Wilson really, you know, he really is the heart of that movie. Uh, and he just has a simple grace and beauty to his performance. What I didn't know is that he was such a great stage performer in the 1930s. Yes, um, that, there's those pictures, there's pictures of him. Like right. And Androcles and all these other performances. And you're just like, wow, this guy was. And these weren't chumps that he was working with. That federal theater, I mean. Yes. You had yeah. the best and brightest of his day there. Right. Yeah. And for, and working with the best and brightest writers and, and authors. You know, you, you had Langston Hughes doing things for them. You had George Bernard Shaw or mm-hmm. obviously Orson mm-hmm. Welles. So this was a big yeah. this was a big deal for the time. Orson Welles before he went kind of cuckoo yeah yeah it had uh yeah so 
Very cool. And and I thought it was interesting. I didn't know that that there was this separate Negro Actors Guild of America that he was on the board of. And there were actually some pretty influential and famous actors that that were associated with that. Yeah, and they it was needed. It was necessary because, like you said, this is a segregated era and Mm -hmm. Hollywood wasn't quite as segregated as, say, you know, (laughs) Selma, Alabama. But. Um, it was still very segregated. So when a when a when a performer an actor needed a needed to find a hotel room to stay in, the 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 union would uh, help them find hotels that they could stay in. You know, nice the, the nice hotels or places that they could stay. Often mm-hmm. often help them find you know just not even hotels, but just lodging with 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 people who who would uh, let them have a room and and welcome them into their homes. Yeah, so you look at a guy who's born in rural Tyler in 1880s, and and then he you know makes it all the way not only to uh, to the the footlights of New York, but then also to be like uh, you know in the spotlight of Hollywood. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just glad that now that we've talked about uh, this fine gentleman from texas um i finally have a reason to watch casablanca oh my goodness <laughs> it's breaking news folks <laughs> mike's mike's been to six flags now scott's gonna watch casablanca oh my gosh how did you avoid maybe. how did you avoid maybe. casablanca after in in years of film classes in college we only watched uh, it like six times uh, we've i've watched clips um, uh, I, we don't. I don't recall ever uh, watching the entire film. So yeah, you just read the Wikipedia entry and get really get the gist of it. <laughs> it's an amazing, beautiful film. You should really watch it. It, re- it really old. So I've heard. Yeah. So I've heard. And I look forward you... to seeing uh, Arthur Wilson's performance. Yeah. And hey, yes. you're, now there's a Texas connection everywhere, folks. We're digging them up. Yeah. So very cool. Well, we salute you, Arthur Dooley Wilson, hardest working man in showbiz. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or get yourself to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm barely on Twitter at MacSean with two N's. And I am Scotticus. You love this show, you love the great films of Texas, or just films that star Texans, or even kind of bad Chuck Norris films about a cop and his dog partner. But tell your friends about us, and leave a review on iTunes, because that helps us to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support this show financially, go visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast, where you too can become a come-and-take-it Texas Ranger. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.